0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University.
1: Hi, my name is Brendan Bashan-Sullivan. I'm an undergraduate employed by the uh, Yale Sustainable Food Project. I'm sitting down today with Bren Smith. He is the uh, owner and founder of the Thimble Island Oyster Company. Um, I'm going to be talking to Bren today first about how he ended up uh, founding and now running the Thimble Island Oyster Company. So, Bren, to start off... um, Oh, you've, you've, you've led a number of, of different lives, had a couple of different jobs. Uh, can you tell us briefly about your path and how you ended up uh, running your own oyster farm?
0: Sure. Hey, it's an honor to be here. The, um, so, you know, my story is, it's, if I look back on it, you know, you look into the future, it doesn't make sense. But you look back on your life, and it's, it feels like an arc. Of ecological redemption. Right? I started out, I was born and raised in a little fishing village of uh, seven houses in Newfoundland, Canada, and I dropped out of high school when I was 14 and headed out to sea. And I went and worked in Gloucester, in Lynn, Massachusetts, on the tuna boats, on the lobster boats, then headed over to the Bering Sea and worked on the, in longliners, trawlers, sort of everything. I was a true, true pillager. I remember my first job on the boats, they handed me a shotgun with uh, a buckshot, and I was supposed to stand on deck and shoot as many seagulls as possible um, uh, before they grabbed the bait, but I couldn't shoot the albatross because they were the souls of fishermen. So I started out killing birds, and then I moved to... Uh, killing everything else in that, um, uh, you know, on the trawlers we were ripping up entire ecosystems, dragging the sea floor. I was fishing illegally in conservation zones in Russian waters. Um, I've personally thrown uh, thousands of pounds of dead bycatch uh, into the water, but I didn't know. You know, as a kid, I loved the sea, but I loved it as a as a worker, not an environmentalist. I mean, it was the place where. Um, uh, 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 you know, you, you, to spend three months at a time, I'd be out at sea for three months, work 30-hour shifts. To be at sea for three months in the belly of a boat with nine guys, there's just this brotherly love. To be on the ocean in 60-foot seas, the vulnerability you feel is just is powerful in its own strange way. So I loved it. But I was doing the worst kind of fishing for the worst kind of food because we, we, um, all our uh, fish went to McDonald's for the fishwood sandwich, filled with worms and lice. So here I was in the pipeline of the, the most destructive kind of fishing producing the worst kind of food um, uh, you could imagine. So that's sort of my arc from, from Pillager, and then I've ended up somewhere else.
1: So, so while you were working in a, in a sort of extractive um, relationship to the ocean, were there things that you picked up that, that, you, that you still use, like f- familiarity with just the, the, the basics of being out on the water? Um, any, any skills or understandings that you began to develop then?
0: Hmm. Um, I've got, well, one that really isn't helpful is that, um, uh, that you know, they, you talk to old timers on the, the sea, they say as soon as you stop being afraid, you're going to, uh, you should stop fishing. You should always have a little bit of fear, but now I'm on Long Island Sound, and there's, it's really not that scary. And you know, I call it the least deadliest catch, but all the guys make fun of me because I sit on the on, on the boat, and I'm always looking for the rogue wave, but you know it never comes because I'm on the sound. But so I, um, you know, I fish the winter and things like that. So um, a bit of that wariness is is helpful, but just really knowing boats, having a feel for um, weather changes. Um, and also just knowing maritime culture, you like understanding the independence of fishermen, the sort of even the politics of fishermen, um, it has been, you know, I, I, I think it's worthwhile, but even more than that, I think the history of what I've done keeps me fulfilled now because I love the sea. I love owning a boat. I love, um, uh uh, 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 having a life that I guide myself and no boss, and so it's that part. That allows me to do the kind of boring work of farming the sea instead of chasing things.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that that you've that you've made this transition to to what you call a a, a sort of farming um, relationship with the ocean. Um, I'm curious about what the early days of Thimble Island were like for you when you were when you were starting out with that skill with with that with that project maybe having a skill set that was that was sort of set up for a different kind of relationship to the ocean entirely. Um yeah. can you tell us a bit about what what that what that early time uh at Thimble Island was like yes, and man. um what it's like to be a first time farmer?
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um it was uh, you know, f- uh, commercial fishing, when you're chasing things, it's both exciting and actually pretty lucrative, right? You know, it's boom and bust. But as a kid, I'd go out for three months and I'd make 20, 30 grand in, in a couple months. Um, and uh, uh, when I started farming, I looked at the numbers and was like, oh, I can make a living at this. You know, you see how much you sell an oyster for, you see how, much you, it, how long it takes to grow, things like that, low fuel costs, um, all these things. And um, then when you get out there, And, you know, I I grow my oysters in cages um, sitting on the seafloor, and then the uh, the oysters, the seed goes in these racks. And so I pull the cages, and uh, the first thing I noticed was that there was no surprise. So I used to work on lobster boats, and you never know what would come up in a lobster cage, because a lobster trap, because birds would be in there, bluefish, all sorts of stuff. Well, an oyster cage, it's just oysters. And so there's this kind of—first it starts with this— uh, I was sort of surprised that uh, that there wasn't as much excitement. And then the relationship to the food changes because I'm with, say, one oyster for two years. And I put it in as this little, little, tiny, you know, um, five-eighths to one-inch size oyster and then grow it over two years. And I see it all the time, you know, I'm, I'm, and I recognize some of them. And so I become a nurturer. And I remember my first year. I, I grew them out to full size. I thought I was all set, and then starfish came and wiped out my whole crop. And um, and I remember going out and just like dumping over uh, overboard forty thousand dead oysters that I'd grown over um, two years, and just feeling like such a failure, and also feeling like I kill. You know, I just ran a farm to kill things because these aren't plants; they're little animals.
1: Can you can you tell us a bit about what what a day's work is like at Thimble Island? Um how that sort of sense of responsibility to your crop helps you stay sort of fo- focused and organized when you don't have someone to report to when when your obligation is to is to the animals that you're raising.
0: Well, my boss is the weather at the end of the day. So, you know, um night before I get on Weather Underground, I'm checking the weather um and because my cages are heavy they're like you know two three hundred pounds and get that heavy and then my long line gear where I'm floating uh, my seaweed and my muscles and my scallops um same thing when you moor to that in heavy seas it's it can you can get pretty um unstable so I check the weather first and then we head out at about five in the morning we have a little skiff and then we uh, head out to my larger boat which is a 24 foot privateer and um uh, and then my grounds are about seven minutes off um, offshore. One of the great thing about ocean farming is since you're not chasing things, it's a quick run. You don't, you don't spend much money on fuel. Your emissions are low, all sorts of stuff. Um, the, uh, and then I spend the day, um, uh, each day is sort of with a different crop. So one day I'll weed out my kelp. I'll take my kelp and and do a small harvest so that the kelp remaining on the line has a chance to to grow out has room to grow um, I'll go work my mussel socks I, um, uh, and uh, uh, that means just sort of cleaning off all the biofouling another day I'll go work my oysters so so it's rotational during the during the day I mean during the week
1: I think that that's that leads us to something that that I like to talk to you more about after after a quick break, which is uh, which is the sort of ecological structure of your of your farm. But um we'll we'll take a break before that. Uh, thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening. For more information please visit our website at www.yale.edu slash sustainable food.